Welcome, my friends. Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. It is Tuesday, April 11th. We are here live, finally. We're about a half hour late. We will not be doing the power hour today. We had to let the team from Pittsburgh Power get back to their day. Um, <clears throat> we are having some severe technical difficulties here today. We had uh, everything was working fine right up till about 30 seconds before we went live, and then I lost my internet completely. Uh, I tried restarting that, and it wouldn't work. We have a backup internet. We got on that one, and it was intermittent. We actually have a third backup, which is our Starlink, but it's in the shop with the coach. I guess I better get that back here. Um, So we've got one of the internets up. It was a little shaky there for a bit. Seems like it's a little more solid now. Um, Hold on, I'm getting weird messages. I don't know if my sound's okay. Or what's going on? So lots of weird technical issues today all around just internet connectivity. We actually could have what might be considered a fourth backup as we technically can run the show off of our phones. The problem is when we're here in a small area and the internet goes out, then everybody's on their phones and we don't have enough bandwidth to do the show. It is a free-for-all. I have next to nothing for material, so I am hoping somebody's hearing me right now and people start calling in. 855-950-3835. Anything goes. We're just going to knock out an hour here. Calls and questions, whatever is on your mind. So one of the things I was planning on talking about, actually trying to find a day when I was going to do it, and we're going to be talking about this topic a lot, it changed really fast, and that is the volume of freight and the rates. You know, we've been saying for a long time here, I think the first time I started talking about it was um, 2017, after listening to Noel Perry talk about where we were going and the business cycles. And um, we really thought 2017 was probably going to be where we started into the recession. 2018, if I remember right, was when the ELD mandate hit. That actually increased some, it, it, it made for a better balance anyway. If people were cheating, then ELDs stopped them from cheating. That takes away capacity. So 2018 was kind of a weird year. There was some weird stuff going on. Then we thought for sure after 2018, 2019, we thought, okay, we're we're definitely looking at a recession. And then COVID hit and that changed everything and all of the money that got spent during COVID, all of the government money, all of the stimulus, locking people down, shutting things down, no access to a lot of that stuff, no access to services. People started buying a lot of goods and shipping went nuts. And we've benefited from that ever since. 
you know, we had the the short term problem from COVID, the lockdowns, we had almost no freight, but that changed pretty rapidly. And that's what we've been dealing with. The problem with that is it was so extreme. Now we're looking at possible stagflation. I've been through a lot of these cycles. You know, I bought my first truck in the mid 80s. So things have changed quite a bit since then. Um, Although things are looking more and more like they were back then. Back then, there was no talk whatsoever of a driver shortage. That that wasn't an issue yet uh, in the mid to late 80s. I can remember very strongly when there just wasn't enough freight around. That was a, a bigger problem if you own trucks. There just wasn't enough freight. That's what we're heading back into again. When we have a big run-up like that, you know, we always say the higher the economy goes, the farther it has to fall. And a lot of that is because more and more people keep getting into the business. The longer the good economy goes on. And think about this. The owner-operators who started getting in back in 2010, after we got through 08, 09, the market started to come back, owner-operators started to get in. We haven't had any real downturns to wash them out. They've stayed in business. They've never really seen a downturn. So we had such a long run up. And then for the last couple of years, those crazy high record rates also created an influx, a flood of new owner operators, new lease operators, new owner operators, new carriers with authority. The numbers have been big for years. And now it's time to pay the piper. And I am seeing, I'm on Twitter, I'm, you know, I follow a ton of freight brokers. And I am seeing posts like they are showing their load sheets. And one yesterday had 11 loads to move. And he said, on average, that number should be three to 400. That's a huge shift. And, uh, you know, one of the things I'm not seeing much of, seeing a little bit of it, but not much, I'm not seeing too many people say, well, just leave the freight on the dock. If they think they can ship it for that price, just leave it on the dock. I can promise you that's not going to happen. When there is this much capacity, somebody's going to take that load. And I'm watching videos being posted of loads showing up on DAT and in less than a minute they're gone. Just what a what an incredible shift, and it happened so fast, it's almost hard to get our head around this. I'm seeing statistics showing up every day that I'm shocked by. So we'll keep an eye on it, but I, I, I think the party's over. I think it's time to really hunker down and get very, very serious about trying to survive this downturn. If you have any questions on how to do it, Give me a call. We can certainly talk about it here. Let's let's go to Virginia. Danny, welcome to the program. Hey, good morning, Kevin. Couple couple things there. I was wanting to, that audio book. I was wanting to talk about, but uh, you're talking about all these. You know the way everything is going. 
three years ago when everything shut down, I didn't know what was going to happen. I signed up for Instacart, got approved, never used it. I was going to go out and deliver groceries. Yeah. Okay. Never needed it. I got in. Well, my, my nursery lady there that I hauled trees for on a flatbed, they also do uh, potted plants in the dry van. Okay. So people weren't staying home during the shutdown. They were out at the grocery or the big box home photos doing all that. They were gardening, landscaping. Right. I was staying busy. Now, it's, it's seasonal, mostly springtime. Right. And that's what I'm doing right now. That's probably what I'll be doing for the next month or two. Good. Good. The rates never drop. I'm going to probably do $4,500 this week. I know it doesn't sound like a lot of money, but I'm probably only going to run maybe 15. Yeah. Nice. That's outstanding. And the other than fuel and insurance, that's it. I mean, I don't have any truck payments, so that I can weather this for a few months and then yeah, yeah, I can uh, get back under my flatbed if I need to. But, you know, we'll just see what happens come summertime. Yeah. You know, there's another lesson here. You talked about it. You are thinking about things. You're planning ahead. You have plan B and plan C all the way down to loading Instacart, you know, and thinking about that just in case. What I want people to understand about that. That gig economy, Uber, Lyft, Instacart, DoorDash, Uber Eats, all of those. There's a ton of them. They're growing all the time. But those services have never seen a downturn in our economy. Those services are priced based on supply and demand. This is an interesting little experiment. You know, freight is the price is based on supply and demand. I've been trying to get that across to people forever. They seem to think the brokers control the price or the shippers control the price. It's pure supply and demand. The beauty of apps like Uber, Instacart, all of those, if you've ever used them as service provider, you know they alter the price instantly. That's the beauty of that technology. It knows supply and demand every second, and it alters pricing based on that. Here's what they've never seen. These services have not been around during a downturn in the economy when we have massive layoffs like we're having now. Somebody gets laid off, they used to run to the unemployment office. Now they get laid off. On the way home, they're going to be loading Uber and taking somebody with them. I mean, that's, that's different this time. But you're going to see prices on those apps collapse. They don't pay all that well right now. I think the pricing on those apps is going to get horrible. And it'll be interesting because unlike owner-operators who all scream, well, just leave that freight on the dock, you can't really do that in this system. Well, you can, but when do you get back in? you got to wait for the prices to go back up. I don't see that happening anytime soon. I think those services are going to see so many new people with all these layoffs that I don't. we're going to see how well that's going to work. Yeah. All right. The, uh, that series one second after. Yeah. Then is it what one year after? And then the final day. Right. I've listened to all three of them. What do you think? And I, 
I know you don't like movies made out of these books, but that would be pretty interesting. Part of it has to do with it. The guy's based or the story's based in Black Mountain, North Carolina. So when he's, you know, I don't live, but an hour and a half away. Right. And, you know, this, the, the, an EMP, it's crazy because it's like you find out towards the end. I don't want to give any spoilers, but <laughs> it's an interesting book. It's very interesting. He's a good writer, too. What, what, what's crazy is it's like, what, what would, would that really happen? Really possible. You well, got to wonder, so you know, if somebody, you know, they would do that. Let's address that. So is it possible? Absolutely. It could happen as we're speaking right now. There are countries that already have assets in place. North Korea has a satellite that crosses the U.S. a couple times a day. They can launch EMP producing atomic weapons from these satellites. And they're crossing our country every day. I don't know about Iran or some of these other countries, China. So is it possible? Absolutely. It, they could shut off our electrical grid multiple ways. EMP is the worst. Which, so if they got into our electrical grid through the Internet, which they've already done, we know every one of these countries has been in our electrical grid poking around in there. If they're able to figure out how to shut it down, which eventually they could, or they already know they're just not willing to do it, if they did, that's bad. You lose all kinds of power, all kinds of things go wrong. But you still have vehicles. You would still have vehicles at that point, and you'd still have the ability to run generators and get fuel pumping. It would be really bad, but not nearly as bad as an EMP going off. Because with an EMP, they believe we would lose all of the modern vehicles. Anything with computer chips in them would probably be inoperable. They'd be stopped on the road instantly. That's usually how the story is told in all these EMP books. We don't know for sure, though, because there's no way to test this. But that's that's the case there. And in that book, it is an EMP. Everything's disabled. No vehicles, no power, no nothing. Now, is it probable? We know it's possible. Anybody doubts that they shouldn't is absolutely possible that our grid could be shut off through the Internet or an EMP could take out a lot of the country, if not all of it. And we know there are countries capable of delivering those types of weapons. So it's possible. We it seems like it's not very probable because it's insane. It would be World War III, and we might just destroy the planet if, if something like that happens. So, I don't know. It doesn't seem like it's very likely. The way he had it in the book is there was, what, three. One was over the U.S., one was over, I think, Japan, and I forget where the other one was. But it basically wiped out almost the entire planet. Yeah. And then, you know, people were just getting to the point of killing each other for food. Well, here's here's the weird estimate. We're we're afraid of them dropping atomic weapons on us, like dropping an atomic weapon on a city like we did in Japan. That kills a lot of people. There's no doubt. But both of those cities in Japan still exist. Hiroshima and Nagasaki didn't go away. They were they're still cities. 
are the bigger fear and and the predictions when you hear this number seems insane but the more you read about it the more you realize no it's probably true when they explode an EMP or two or three across the country whatever it might take to wipe out the whole grid in our country Texas has its own grid it's the only part of the country that does if that were to happen, the prediction is 90 per now, not one person dies when they explode that bomb. It's exploded way up high in the atmosphere. We might barely know it even happened. Nobody dies when the bombs go off, these EMPs, but they predict within 12 months, 90% of the population will be dead. Because they can't survive immediately. Anybody, Without, well, there's, anybody there's no with food. medical needs. Think about people who need drugs to live, and how many people we have like that in our country. They are dead within thirty days. Yeah, you, it, they're they're gone. I mean, that, that's, they're the most vulnerable. Then there's no daughter, food. The guy. John Matherson, like the main character, his daughter is a type 1 diabetic. Correct. I think right. she made it six months, and she died 12 years old. Right. Yeah. They're, 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 so, so, And then the, the food issue, it's just insane. I mean, it predictions, and when you read these books that are serious and talk about this, you know, in a serious way, you start to realize you can't even get your head around what it would be like if something like this happened. Yeah, I'm waiting. The next, I think the next book isn't due out until November. I think uh, five years after. I think. I don't know. I didn't. Know there's there there's was three a... out right now. Yeah, I've read those three. Oh yeah. Yeah, the other one, I've seen it in Audible, and I clicked on it. And I'm like, oh, what? A... Then it says. You'll be notified when it's released in, I think, November of 23. And I'm like, oh, great. Now i got to wait. I know. I know. Oh, hey, I want to go back to making movies out of books. I have not been a fan of movies made out of books forever. They suck. The books are so good. You get so excited about it. The movie comes out. And I realize why it sucks. You read the book and it takes eight or nine hours to read. The movie ends up being 90 minutes long because that's how long movies are. And you just can't do a good book justice in 90 minutes. But there's this new phenomenon, and I hope it grows. It doesn't seem to be. But several years ago, one of my favorite authors, Michael Connolly, the Bosch series, the detective novels, they took a book and they turn it into an entire season of a series like 10 episodes. Those were excellent. The The Bosch series after the books were so good. And I normally don't like that. And then it dawned on me, that's the trick. Now that we have, you know, a thousand channels on TV and streaming and you can watch whatever you want, they, I hope this becomes a trend where instead of trying to turn a book into a 90-minute movie, they turn it into a 10-episode series and stream it. If they start doing that, you're going to see a lot of really good content. Yeah. But, yeah, it was interesting here. I've I've been, uh, I don't know if it was you that were talking about it or Matt, one or the other. And I was like, oh, I went and downloaded it and I started listening. And it's like one of those 
you start listening and it's like, what's going to happen next? Right. Oh my, what's right. going to happen? And you, so, you're, you're waiting for the next chapter. And then, I know <laughs> that. Yeah. So here's the problem with this genre of like apocalypse EMP kind of books. I love the story. It's an intre- really interesting story to build on. 99% of the people who write these type of books suck. There's ju- There just aren't any good writers writing in this genre. This guy that wrote One Second After is one of the very few. That is a really, really good writer. Most of these types of books are self-published. They haven't been edited. They're kind of a mess. And the people just aren't very good authors is the problem. There's a lot of books out there, and I've tried a bunch of them, but most of them just suck. One last question here, and I guess I can let you go. Um, what what is What does it mean when there's books that says uh, unabridged version. What's the difference so, between abridged and... Yeah, so a good example when an abridged books and unabridged books have been around forever. So when Stephen King first wrote the book The Stand, and Stephen King was not a popular author back then, I was still in high school, the original manuscript was 1,100 pages. And they said, hell no, There's no way they would produce a book that big. It's way too expensive. So they made him cut it down to like 400. But that's not considered an abridged book because the original manuscript was never released. So the stand came out as an original book. They didn't call it abridged. It was about 400 pages. Later on, when Stephen King was popular enough that he could he could write his grocery list and they'd publish it if they wanted to. He released the original manuscript at 1,100 pages. With abridged books, what they do is they take a book that's already out, and let's say it's 400 pages or so, which is about average. They'll cut that book down to about 130 or so pages. They, they just take out a ton of content. They just shorten it up, take out a lot of detail. The, the storyline is still there start to finish. They just take out a ton of detail, and the book is a lot shorter. I never, ever read abridged books, ever. Okay. All the good stuff is taken out. The, here's, here's the, the abridged book is kind of like the stupid movie they tried to make out of it. They take out so much detail, you lose the heart of the story. Right. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, good stuff. We'll talk to you again soon. Let's go to Iowa. Speaking of Matt, welcome. Good morning, Kevin. Yeah, there's there's an endless list of good books out there. Um, I was just thinking that as you were saying, it, a movie isn't a bridge book. They take yeah. so much detail out half the story's missing. One of the worst examples of turning a book into a movie and it was the one I was the most excited about seeing, and they did it in three parts, I think, um, and it sucked. Oh. One of the worst books, to- Atlas Shrugged, was just awful. Told people, do not watch the movie. Now, go watch it if you've already read the book, and you'll be horribly disappointed, but go watch it. If you haven't read the book, don't go watch this movie because it you don't get 
anything of the storyline you should be getting out of the story. It was horrible. And there, I mean, there are really good movies that if you didn't read the book, the movie was still good. But see, for me, I was more into movies in my younger years. And now that I've moved into books and I'm you listening know. to some of the great movies, yeah. the book is like, <laughs> Boy, the movie sucked. They didn't clean any of it. Exactly. Exactly. Right. They they put the point of the book in the movie, but you have no backstory, so it never made sense. The one one book recently that they made into a movie, and I actually praised it, I said they did a pretty darn good job, and then I understood why. Technically, in this book, there's only one character. So making a movie out of it was actually pretty simple and they did a pretty darn good job on it. The movie was Martian. There was one huge flaw though. They they did a really good job and the movie was enjoyable. If you read the book though, the absolute best part of the book, so much suspense. You're just wondering, oh my God, how's he going to make it? And, and it goes on and on. It's a pretty long scene. He is stuck in this sandstorm or this some kind of solar storm on Mars, and he has no communication. So he has no idea if this storm, it's going to take him 12 hours to get through it or three hours or two days. And the problem is, while it's happening, he has no solar to charge the batteries. So it's kind of like us, you know, trying to move into electric and solar right now. He doesn't know. And if his batteries die, he dies. And it's this huge suspenseful scene and it goes on and on and it's really good. They just left it out of the movie completely. It wasn't anywhere near the movie. And I thought that was the best scene in the whole book. Yeah, one you mentioned recently, you got into John Grisham books or found some you've never read. Yeah. A Time to Kill. Oh, A Time to Kill is an awesome. We... Yeah, we just watched the movie. Lisa and I went back and watched it because I read the book and the book was so good. The movie was good, really was. It's one of those that even if you read the book, that that is one of the few that you still can enjoy the movie. The other, I actually, I, I found another author that I used to read a long time ago. I'm thinking I was reading her back in high school. And I had no idea she wrote a whole bunch of new books, like 20-some. There's a series. I just found them. The author is Patricia Cornwell, and she writes the Case Garpetta novels. Case Garpetta is the medical examiner, so it's a lot of murder, mystery kind of stuff. But she's got like 20 books out that are new. So I've got reading those all the way through now. And oh, yeah, it is. Five years after the name of the new one coming out. Okay. And it is. That'll be interesting because that, that, that story was so well written. I wish, I wish somebody would take that story and make a, like a streaming series out of it. Yeah. I mean, I, well, I've moved away from TV. I used to watch a lot of that stuff and binge watch, you know, when series came out with Netflix, but just don't have time or the interest anymore. Yeah, during the winter, I, I get some more of that in. Once summer comes, almost none. 
Um, there is a new, and I haven't watched any new series in quite a while because I haven't been watching much TV. Even this winter, I didn't watch as much as normal. Lisa found an interesting one. There was 10 episodes and I just binged it in two days called Night Agent. Really interesting. I'm not even going to tell anybody what it's about, but if you're looking for an interesting series, try that one. I think it's on Netflix. So the reason for my call today was recently you've talked with the bank, SVB bank that failed and FDIC. Yeah. It is. The the FDIC insurance is $250,000 per person per bank. So you were kind of getting some things mixed up there. So if you do have a joint account, that's two people. So that is a $500,000 dollar insurance but if you have multiple accounts of the bank you know one joint account and the personal you're you're still going to be capped at that 250 between the, all of the the business account is separate and that's yeah so every right. tax every ID, entity correct yeah tax id that's a good way to say it every tax id you have can get 250,000 so that was why I said a couple can protect 750000 if they have a business. Correct. So 250 for each person and, and then 250 for the corporate account with the, another tax ID. So at each bank or the other place, I'm actually moving some money back into now because we got a little out of whack. Um, your money market accounts are also protected to 250000 yep. So if you have a money market account, a brokerage account somewhere, you can move some money into that account and get it protected. Well, you have to verify that it is an FDIC insured brokerage or whatever. Some of them are not. That's true. It's pretty rare if you're if you're most people are going to end up at a place where, you know, the money market accounts are protected. But you're right. Never hurts to just. Make absolutely sure. Now, I I also have to say, let's clarify what we're talking about here. We are talking about making sure if you have a lot of cash, because we're talking, you know, anybody with a bank account is already protected to 250,000. If it's a joint account, they're protected to 500. I mean, most people never have to think about this. But if you do have to think about it, if you, right, if you, yeah, if you are past those numbers, you need to be protected. But even then, let's be clear about what we're talking about. This is only going to matter if we have a total collapse. Like we have a run on the banking system and the banks run out of money and you have deposits and you can't get them. That's what we're talking about here. Then the FDIC steps in. We've been paying into this fund forever, our whole lives. Every time we bank, we pay into fees that that support this system so that if the banks run out of money, we still are able to get our money out up to those limits. So we are talking about a very extreme event that would be happening if we needed this. But that's the whole point when we talk about being prepared. When we talk about, you know, having some backup generators or backup food and water, all those things, we're talking about extreme events. 
I'm not talking about a power outage that lasts three or four days. Anybody can handle that. We're talking about extreme events. And then you start looking and think, oh, well, what are the odds? That's the whole point, though. The whole point of the book, One Second After. The reason the title is that is because if you are sitting around saying, well, if things really start to look bad, then I'll get prepared. The, the point is, one second after an EMP explodes is too late. There is no preparing at that point. You're toast. That's So as extreme as all this stuff sounds, that's the whole point. You either realize it is extreme and you're going to do it just in case, or you take the approach it's never going to happen. And then, yeah, so as far as, like, run on the banks and all that, when this started, I don't think a lot of people realize there is a huge difference between everybody's local bank and SVB bank. They're not even in the same category. Correct. Like, 80% of the money that was in SVB bank was not federally insured. Nationwide... Numbers like twenty percent of all accounts. That's a lot. That's a lot of wealth to be lost. Yeah. But it was a business, more of a business bank than it was a personal bank. Correct. Correct. Well, why would a business keep that much cash in an account? Well, what else do you do with it? Their payroll is hundreds of thousands of dollars. Correct. That that. Money it's a problem for a business not having more protection. It requires a lot of cash to run a business and a lot of cash flow. And our system is not set up very well to protect businesses in this case. You've got to be really good with money and know where and how you can spread it around. And then it just creates a lot of extra work. Nope. Here's the thing I don't get. Yeah. So... The point of the system is to collect enough in fees. FDIC is insurance, just like any other kind of insurance. You yep. collect enough fees from everybody over time that when you have the worst case scenario, everybody's covered. Well, how does it make sense that I have to keep splitting my money up into different accounts? The government, the insurance corporation, the FDI still see still has to cover the same amount of money. If we were all smart enough to spread all around, they still have to cover the same amount of money. They've just complicated the system. Well, I don't think so because I think they pay the insurance based on the insurable. So if you had a million dollars in an account. The bank is only paying insurance on 250 Correct. That's my point. The system is flawed. You should have to pay insurance on everything that's in there. Why do we, well, have, why do we have an insurance system that is not protecting all of the wealth? What's the point? Well, yeah, that's what I think. Yeah, the system should just see you pay insurance for whatever your balance is, and you should be... You know, think think about a business that has a couple hundred thousand dollars sitting somewhere not protected. What are the odds that if they lost that, they'd still be in business? Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. 
So it, it's it's a it's a flawed system, and here we are. We've been paying into it for decades, and now we're thinking we might need it, and we look at how flawed it is. Because yeah, most business financially are not a whole lot different. Most personal finance, right? I mean, the numbers but, get bigger, but, but but they're working paycheck to paycheck, right? Lots of businesses. The businesses are taking loans, factoring in trucking. We refer to it as factoring. It's referred to factoring everywhere. It's not just a trucking thing. Every business on the planet can use their receivables to borrow money. And it's a very, very common thing. And I've said, I can't believe that mature businesses still factor just to make payroll. But that's how close some of these businesses are running. Get it in the beginning. If you need to factor some things to get going, fine. But your goal should be not to factor. I, I can't imagine if I if our business right now. I'm worried about our business. Our revenues are way down already. Part of it was the serious thing, but we're seeing it now. It's happening now. That's not serious anymore. That this is. What's going on in the economy? Our numbers are dropping and I'm worried and we are in a good cash position. I can't imagine if I were still factoring to make payroll what I'd be feeling like right now. You know, here's here's something else yeah. we're going to be dealing with. And I I struggle with this issue. I was chatting with a couple of people yesterday on Twitter drivers. I, I, I this is a tough one for me. Um, here's, here's what the drivers said. Another trucking company went out of business. Wasn't that, wasn't big enough to really make the news. The driver was on Twitter saying, I've been sitting in a hotel for a week because we haven't had any freight. I'm I'm out of money. And I just found out the company closed its doors. He's a thousand miles from home, broke, completely broke, can't eat. I, I struggle with this. I want to help people. I can't imagine what that must feel like. But I also struggle with, come on, how do you end up in a situation like that? You know, I, I want to help these people, but I also want to help them in a way that says this should never, ever happen to you again. How do you allow yourself to get to this point? Yeah, and that's one I struggle with because I mean, I was there at one point in life, but make decisions to improve it, and it, it is hard, and it takes a long time, but uh, now that I'm past it, I have a hard time understanding why other people aren't doing it. Well, and here's what I wonder. I, I've had some struggles in life. Almost all of my struggles have coincided with poor economies. I've been in business my whole life. And I've been there when it, when the economy goes south and you're not prepared and you have a business, it's tough. I've made it through them, but it's been ugly, really ugly a couple times. But what I wonder, we just came through and, and forget the whole economy. Let's just look at trucking. We just came through the best years ever. Drivers making 80, 90, $100,000 is now becoming common. Owner operators, we've talked about the numbers. They're through the roof for the last couple of years. If we are coming out of the best economy in trucking ever and you're in this situation, what the hell are you going to do now? Yeah, that's, I, that's I guess, where I could say I've been lucky. 
every time I've been in a position where I got behind on stuff and all that, all I had to do was go work more. There. That that's that's what I yes yeah, same for me I, you know you buckle down and you work eighteen hours a day sometimes when you have to and I've done it and you get through but you're right I'm a little worried about this what happens when there's just not enough work to go do I mean it's not going to do you much good to go do Instacart if you're if you're clearing eighty bucks a day you know I guess you'll eat but you're not going to do much more than that. Well, and at what point, you know, those rates they go down. That's what I mean. They're they're going to collapse. Those those rates on those apps are going to collapse, and it doesn't take two or three weeks for the market to respond. Those apps respond instantly when the when the volume yep. of work goes down, the price goes down with it. Yep, and you start adding up wear and tear on your personal vehicle and gas. Yep. At some point, it's not it worth just, it. Just doesn't even make sense, right? Well, if you got other calls coming in, I didn't really have anything else. All right. We'll cut you loose. Calls are coming in. It is a free-for-all today. We had some technical difficulties early in the show. We cut the team loose from Pittsburgh Power, let them get back to their day, and then we got the Internet fixed. So here we are. Join us, 855-950-3835. We are off to Texahoma. Paul, welcome to the program. Well, it would be Oklahoma today. So Got it. Instead of Texahoma. Got it. I'm going the other way. So. There you go. But I'm in my I'm in my car today, so so I got I got a few things now. So someone mentioned lockdowns. I didn't really do any lockdowns. I kept working. But when I think back about that, that was the dumbest shit ever. You could go to Walmart or Kmart or Lowe's or Home Depot, but. You couldn't go to a restaurant or you couldn't go to a gymnasium. You can be as close to people at Lowe's as you can in a restaurant. You could go to bars in some places, and you could go to pot shops here in Oregon. They weren't closed, but you couldn't go to church. Yeah, ridiculous. The whole thing was insanity, yes. Yeah. So... um. Most of the freight that I'm doing now, it's the company I'm leased to. It's our own freight, so our rates are still real good. But the people that I small for, Texas or Oklahoma, are a big company, and they know how to play the supply and demand game, so their rates are considerably down from what they were last year, but I can still do it and make make less money than I did last year, but still make money at it. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. You know, I, I'm hearing talk that rates are so low that an owner-operator could end up losing money. Well, here's the thing. It's almost impossible for an owner-operator to spend more to move freight than the rate pays. Now, if we put wages in there, that's a different matter. But that just means I may have to go drive for a much, much lower wage than I would normally like to. But 
let's think about it. If you can manage to get your fuel cost to 50 cents a mile, which isn't that difficult right now, prices are going back up. That may change again, but let's say 50 cents a mile. You've got your maintenance cost to 20 cents a mile. That should cover just about everybody. So we're at 70 cents a mile. Most of the other miscellaneous stuff we have to pay for, maybe 15 cents a mile. Probably 10 would cover it all. So we're still significantly under a dollar for all of our costs other than wages. So when I see these articles saying, oh, even an owner operator would lose money on this rate that's wrong the rate's a buck 30 buck 40 a mile there's still some profit in there not much but that's the kind of stuff you have to be willing to go do unless you've you've put yourself in a good enough position you can just sit out the whole thing but most people can't you got to still go to work you're just gonna you're just gonna go work for significant less less pay you're gonna work to make sure you stay in business what what are all those people that all that gravy rates for a couple of years. What did they do with their money? They they, they wasted it. They went out and, and bought all of the stuff that made the supply chain even busier and made inflation go up. That's why we're dealing with all this stuff. Because look, I remember yeah. when when the lockdowns were in place and they were saying, "Oh my God, the savings rate in the United States has never been this high. People are doing so good. Look, they're saving all this money." And it was the savings rate had gone through the roof. I had never seen numbers like that. Well, as soon as they opened the doors, everybody spent it all. Now, the credit rate for most Americans is starting to look like it's going to set records. How many Americans are actually living on credit cards right now? Not me. (laughs) Yeah, not me either, but there's a bunch of them. Yeah. And... And you've talked about it. Your rates are still good. Match rates are still good. Everybody that calls this show just about says rates are still holding up on our freight. And it is. It's not going to last, but it's still there. And yet we're seeing people dropping like flies quickly. A lot of these owner operators must have had zero savings. Yeah. I have. Ugly loads to go. Well, I actually have three loads to do, but I only be able to do two of them. Um, I got twenty vehicles to haul on two loads, but I'm actually going to thirteen different dealerships on two loads because it's it's getting near the end of the end of the boat, getting the leftovers. Yeah. So, but it's still got to go. But that'll chop my per mile rate down because of the stops a little bit. But I'll still make money out of it. Exactly. If I'd had a straight so, straight load, it'd be six dollars a mile. But I got a multi stopper, so it'll probably chop it down to five, maybe. So here's the thing: a little bit, in, a little bit less. I'm not sure. Again, when you study these economic cycles, you start to notice patterns. So, in the beginning of the downturn, which is where we are right now. And we are coming out of the longest expansion ever. So we do know most businesses have cash. You know, the smallest bottom, a ton of those guys have no cash. We know it. They're dropping already. Uh, Most of the carriers have tons and tons of cash. You look at the financial reports of the big carriers right now. They're not worried at all. They're not having any problems. Their numbers still look good. So they can start to move freight at a loss. 
and they will, and they're going to do it. And they can because they have cash and they need to keep their equipment moving. Owner operators can't really afford to move freight at a loss. So in the beginning of the, the downturn, things are the worst because there are people with cash that can go move freight really cheap just to keep their equipment moving. And they will at some point that starts to slow down because you can't afford to do that forever. By that time, though, you've probably washed enough equipment out of the market that will be fine. Here's the thing we have to remember. Nobody is going to move freight if it's if they're losing money on it, not for an extended period. It'll happen here and there for a little bit. Can't go on forever. So there there is a bottom to the rates and the bottom is the rates will be just enough to make a little bit of a profit and keep you in business. That will be the bottom. That's only if you're really good controlling your expenses. If you're not good at controlling your expenses, you're just toast. You're not going to make it through this. Ponds are tough. They are tough. And I believe they're going to get a whole lot tougher. Yeah, they'll be really tough for some, but I'm not worried. So I did see see an article the other day. It popped up. And I said that the top-selling truck in Australia... Well, the Kenworths that are sold in Australia, they are built in Australia. The Macs that are sold in Australia, they are also built in Australia. And a lot of the Volvos, the FH cab over, are built over there as well. Okay. So Kenworth, which have been built in Aussie for a long time, they got kicked off the top spot by Volvo. Really? So far this year, they have sold more Volvos this year than Kenworth. That's a big deal. Yeah. That's a big deal. Yeah. Here's Freightliner. Well, they, well, they, I don't know where they were on the list. I didn't look, but, um, they were on there, but uh, I'm not really, a, they stopped making the Argosy, which hurt them because the Argosy was real popular down I, there. I know why, um, you know, I understand that. why they keep selling the Argosy here, it kind of flopped, but I thought the Argosy would have been popular in many other countries. I don't know why they stopped. You know, the reason I ask is because Freightliner's been on the number one sales slot here in the U.S. forever. I mean, most companies don't even come close to what Freightliner sells. Volvo has been climbing those ranks. The top five. Yeah, okay. I think Freightliner was in the top five, but I'm not sure. But Kenworth Kenworth was second to Volvo. Wow, that's a big deal. Like, so... Yeah, in the in the first quarter, I think the and the, the numbers are only tiny compared to this country. But size wise, Australia is nearly as big as the forty eight continental. But population wise, it's a tenth. <laughs> right. Um, right. Yeah. The total sales was thirty six hundred and fifteen or something. I think it was. And Volvo had sold 305, and Kenworth had sold 300. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. That's a, that's so, a, that's a pretty big Kenworth, deal. For Kenworth to get, yeah, for Kenworth to get kicked off the top spot. Right. That's well, that, quite, that quite an achievement. It would be like Freightliner being bumped off the top spot here, right? Yeah. So. So I thought that was kind of interesting. It uh, is. How things can change. Uh, yep. Yeah. Uh, All right. Good, but good stuff. 
we are going to move along. Calls are coming in. It is a free-for-all kind of day. We got a late start today. We're not doing the power hour. We had some technical issues. But if you found us, we are here live. It is Tuesday, April 11th. We've got some calls. I'm going to keep taking them as long as they keep coming in. So jump in and join us, 855-950-3835. Let's head off to California. Aaron, welcome to the program. Hi, Kevin. How are you today? Good. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. What can I help you with? So I was just wondering, I recently read a book. It's called Fast Like a Girl Okay. by... Mindy Pels, and it's all about fasting and female hormones and doing fasting cycles along with your cycle. And I am currently doing like a 48 hour fast, and I'm at like 40 hours right now. And I took my, I did my ketones and my glucose. My ketones are 7.2. Oh. And, really? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I've never Yikes. seen that before. No, that's well that's a lot of key. And my glucose my glucose is fifty five. There's why so you're I'm producing so many ketones. If I should <laughs> honestly, that's why I'm Yeah, well good I question. So horrible, the, the numbers don't bother me. I feel so the okay. numbers are don't bother me. I mean, I, I understand. So what's a little interesting, there, there's a clue here, is that you are probably still somewhat insulin resistant. Normally, we don't see really low okay. numbers like that unless somebody is somewhat in, insulin resistant. You know, we have some stress issues. Something really made your blood sugar drop low. That's why your body's able to produce so many ketones. The numbers themselves don't scare me. What I want to know is how do you feel? Okay. Well, at the moment, I feel okay, but I'm going kind of in and out. Like when I first woke up, I felt kind of lightheaded and not great. I did some yoga that helped me. So is this a like is this a really okay right now. strict fast? Just water? Are you doing any bone broth or any NDK coffee? No, or? I'm just doing water. You know what I would try? No, it's I, just I, I would try water. a nice nice mug of bone broth and see how you feel. Okay. If that if that okay. kind of takes away that little bit of kind of weak woozy feeling, and you want to continue fasting, I would. You do feel like, yeah, maybe forty-eight hours. Yeah, then I would try a little bone broth and see if that gets you through. Put a little butter in there, you know, make it kind of rich and creamy, and 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 enjoy it, and don't worry that there's calories and fat in there. And if if that gives you that little bump okay. to get you your forty-eight hours, then go ahead and do that. Okay. So, you know, okay. one of the things we can do around fasting is not get into this mindset of it's all or nothing. You know, we made it to 40 hours and, right. and your goal was 48. Well, if we, like I said, a little bone broth, a little butter, if that little bump gets us to 48, what's the downside? I don't think yeah. there is one. Okay. Right? So what? So we, so we. Yeah, I'm proud you know, of myself it, for just getting to 40. Exactly. So. so 
here's here's another example of things like that. The Wim Hof breathing. You know, there are times where it feels so darn good. I don't want it to end. You know, that feeling as I'm holding my breath, there's like this euphoria and it feels so good and I don't want it to end. I will occasionally take in a little sip of air because it'll get me another 15 seconds. And then I might take another little sip of air and get it. It feels good. Why wouldn't I do it? Yeah. Same thing with fasting. If we get to a point and we think, you know what, I could either break my fast and go eat a meal and be done, which is fine. Or what if I just, what if I just have a little bone broth, a little NDK coffee, and, and I can get another 12 hours out of this? What's the harm? Yeah. Okay. Okay. So what you said about you think I'm still like, or have some insulin resistance, that's because my glucose is so low right now. It's really unusual. The- yeah, it's really unusual. Like my my glucose. So I've been very, very low carb for eight plus years. I mm-hmm. doubt that I could. I don't think I could get into the 70s. I'm, I very, very seldom ever see the 80s. My blood sugar stays pretty tight between 90 and 110 all the time. Fasting, not fasting, okay. eating, not eating. That that says that that's really good insulin and blood sugar control. My body can keep it in that nice tight range. We don't seem to see okay. low numbers when somebody is really healthy. Low blood sugar tends to happen in people okay. that are diabetic, typically. And a big part of it is most blood low blood sugar episodes are created by the diabetic medications. It is a warning on every single diabetic medication may cause low blood sugar. Low blood sugar can actually kill you. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a serious thing. Right. Uh, low blood sugar, um, like I say, tends to happen with people who have some sort of blood sugar dysregulation. Okay. So that just makes me wonder if that's what's going on with you or if we have something else going on. Um, The fact that you're fasting, have you, should know this, have you worn a CGM? I don't think so because I didn't think we were thinking blood sugar was. I have not. Okay. I have not. You might and want I to. am thinking about getting one. You might want to. And I'm only saying it because we had this low blood sugar episode, which is kind of odd. And I'd like to see if there's any kind of a pattern there. Okay. And by the way, yeah. All right. this, well, this could be part of the mood issues. Okay. Low blood sugar can make you what we call hangry. You're kind of hungry, you're aggravated. That's a low blood sugar issue, so that can have an impact on your moods. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think this might be and yet, will... Yeah, I'm glad you fasted, and I'm glad we saw this. This might be another clue that'll help us out with the big picture. Okay. All right, well, then I will do the bone broth, and then... Excellent get to 40 hours and get a monitor. There you go. And we will be talking again soon then. Yes. 
All right. Yeah, when you get the monitor, oh, call me. And, you. and yeah, you'll be able to send me your results and, and we'll take some time. We'll go over your results. Okay. All right. Talk to you soon. Thanks for the call. Let's go to Florida. I'll let you know this is the last call I have on the board. So if you want to jump in, now would be the time. Pavel, welcome to the program. Hello, Kevin. How are you? I'm good. What can I help you with today? I'm going to speak today in the name of my wife. Okay. Because, you know, she's, she's got a lot of problems with her health. All right. And I just want to help her somehow. So she doesn't want to listen to me, you know, but maybe you can, you know, okay. do something. I'll try. For her, you know, so, so yes. Uh, the first thing I want to, I want to read for you, uh, you know, uh, results on the, you know, she's been at the hospital and she did, let's say, upper endoscopy. Okay. So the results are hiatal hermia. Okay. Gastritis, inflammated stomach. They take biopsy on something which names, let me see, <laughs> it names miasma redness. I don't know. That's what she she sent it to me on the text message. Say that then, again. Miasma, M I no M I A S M A redness. Okay. R-E-T- okay. Got it. I okay. don't know what is that. Now I got it. Yeah, go ahead. You feel the pain in the joints, in the hands. Pain in, on the back, you know, pain. She's got a tremendous headaches. She takes like eight or nine, you know, Tylenols straight. Yeah, that's bad. That That's part all, of... Almost. That's, that's a huge part of all of her digestive issues. All of those Tylenol are horrible on her digestive system. Yes, let me finish. He said... She feels the pain on the right side of her belly. She's got a hot flashes at night. She's so tired every day, completely no energy, and she cannot, hey, you know, hey, fall Pavel, asleep. Pavel, hey, hey, so, Pavel, yes. you know, earlier we were talking about abridged books where they take the, the long story and they cut it down. I'm going to abridge your story because heard it a thousand times and I could, I could finish the story for you. I can tell you every symptom she's going through and I can tell you exactly why she's going through it. And there's only one fix. And I'm pretty sure if you listen to the show, you know what that fix is going to be. I know. It's the only one. All, All of these things, all of them. So, we know she's creating some of her own problems here. All of these things, the lack of energy, the digestive issues, the pain, all of these things come back to what she puts in her mouth every day. That's how it is for all of us. This is really, really simple. So I know you think, well, but she's got this going. I know what she's got going on. And I'll tell you what she'll have going on six months from now. And I'll tell you what it's going to be like three years from now. We can predict this because it's happening to 99% of the population. 
This is really, really simple. I could teach sixth graders how to make everybody healthier. But there's one huge issue. People have to be willing to radically change what they eat. Not little changes. This isn't a matter of, well, she needs to eat a couple more avocados or she needs to eat some grass-fed beef. No, it is a massive change in the diet. It, that's the only thing that works. All right. So uh, she, she can you tell me any interest at all in listening to the show on Wednesdays when it's about health? Have you approached no. it? Have you? She no. shows no interest in that. Then I have no idea what I could possibly tell you to do that might convince her. She's obvious. If she's you know, not going to sit and listen for a couple minutes, she's not going to read a book. So I can't recommend any books. I don't know what to recommend. She has an idea that she's eating, you know, garbage food. Two years ago, she was one step from liver cirrhosis. So I beg her to try the keto diet with vegetables, you know, and after four months in, in on the ketogenic diet, the livers turn over, you know, so the livers come back to, let's say, she wasn't, you know, have fat liver anymore. Right. But, you know, after a few months later, she starts to eating, you know, junk food again, and she knows that, you know, Probably she knows that I, I'm talking, travel. trying to explain her, you know. The story, the story, the carbs, the, the story's getting worse, not better. She has experienced, she has experienced how her diet can absolutely improve her health. In just four months, she got results and she turned her back on those results and went back to eating the way she chooses to eat. Okay, so you just recommend to go with with your protocols. I'm doing the protocols no, with you, actually. No, and after do, 40 days, hey, I'm doing better. Hold on. I want to go back to what you were just saying. Okay. If you were asking, okay. do I recommend just doing protocols with her? No, don't waste your money. If she's going to eat this okay. kind of food, don't buy any supplements from our store. They're not going to help her. Yeah, I'm trying to explain. The supplements only work if we change the diet. I am a firm believer in that. I do not want to sell supplements to people who won't change the way they eat. Yeah, understandable. I'd love so, to sell uh, more listen, supplements Gary. right now. We we could use the revenue. I'm a little worried, but, but I, I do not want to sell supplements to people that they're not going to help. I want to deal with her on uh, nutrient questions. You know, from your app, okay, and try to see what the, what the stage she she is, and maybe that way it's going to work when she see you know we could, so bad, we could you try know that. Her, you know yeah we could try that you know you can you can give up on the on the junk food but she needs some kind I think she needs some kind of motivation you know. Because she did it already once, so... That's what I mean. That is usually the motivate. I mean, how many times have you heard somebody call this show and say, my joint pain went away, I have more energy, my brain feels better, and and very, very few people will go back to eating that old way. You know, people right, might uh, fall uh, off the wagon here and there. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I got a lot of questions. Uh, can you predict for her, 
what may happen for her in this next couple months if she's not going to change anything in her diet. How old is she? You know, I'm, I don't want to... I don't want to, she's 41 years old. She's yeah, a beautiful can, young girl. Actually, women, you know. I, I can predict. She will be a type, she probably already is. If I were to put a continuous glucose monitor on her, I could probably prove that she's already diabetic. So then the thing she can look forward to is lots of weight gain. As a diabetic, you will start to gain weight and it won't stop. You'll have lots of joint pain. You'll probably have skin issues. We already know she has tons of digestive issues. She has a fatty liver. So at some point, she's going to see decreased liver function. And she will spend a lot. She will spend the rest of her life in and out of doctor's offices. Doctor said the doctor recommends for her. Guess what? Omeprazole. Omeprazole. That's that that will that will turn off her digestive system, and all of her problems will continue to get worse. And she's very skinny, you know. She's not fat. She doesn't have fat. She actually loses weight instead of gaining weight. So they're losing weight. So hold on. Oh, that's a bigger problem. Yeah. Now what she? I can. Here's the next thing she's going to get diagnosed with from her doctor at some point, she's going to get diagnosed with something called pancreatic insufficiency disease. And the doctor's going to claim that her pancreas is not putting out enough insulin and she could actually be called a type 1.5 diabetic. She started as a type two because of a poor diet. Her pancreas is starting to give up and not produce insulin. And when your body doesn't produce insulin, you start losing weight. That's why she's got a pain from the right side of her belly. It's my cause. That is her pancreas. Okay. And they will put her on a new drug. There's a whole new bunch of drugs that are designed for pancreatic insufficiency disease, and she will be sick the rest of her life. Oh, my dear Lord. Okay, Kevin, thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you so much. Play this call for her and see if this helps. Yes, thank you. Have a good day. You're welcome. I hope I get a chance to work with your wife, by the way. Let's go to South Carolina. Terrence, welcome to the program. How's it going, Kev? Uh, I got a quick question for you, brother. Also, I got a, I read a book. It was a true, based on a true story and a turn in the movie. I think it was called Rage and was based on an undercover narcotics agent, and he got hooked on heroin. It was really, really good read, but the movie was unbelievable. And which one called Greg Orman actually played the the, the really? drug dealer they were trying to get. Okay. It's, yeah, I know. Yeah, I know you like. You, I mean, you have not. You're always interested in people with uh, drug addiction and all that. It was amazing. The book was amazing to read what the guy went through because he started doing it, to get into the undercover thing, and he, you know, it, obviously it overwhelmed him and it took him on. But it's real, really good book. I think it was called Rage. I read it back in. I think it was the late 80s, it was okay. maybe early 90s. I forget. Exactly yeah, I'll go look that up. It sounds they, interesting. They fit into a movie. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyway, so uh, I was doing some spring cleaning. We're going to get some floors put in the house. So I was cleaning out like a closet. Well, I left a, a vacuum cleaner in a place that I never leave it in usually. And I went to go to walk. 
and I stepped on it and tore the bottom of my foot up in two different spots. Like, ouch! What is the? I mean, I got yeah. I mean, and it you can't really you can't really sell it. My my fiance's an ER nurse, so you can't really sell it. It's like ripped. It's not deep enough where it's like you know going to get infected, but it's just right at the arch of my foot. Like every time I put my foot down and with my bad feet, because I got flat feet already, it's like I'm the pain. But I'm just trying to like what's it, like. Like an ointment, something. I don't want to put it because she's like, "Oh, just take antibiotics." Like, no, I'm not. No, don't take an antibiotic. I'm not. I'm not. Don't take antibiotics. I'm not. First off, that that's antibiotics are a whole body treatment. Antibiotics look all over the body and try to kill stuff. This is very local. We just need to treat this right at the source. Here's the really interesting thing: we are bringing a new product into the store just for this. I'm not sure if we have it yet. Just sent a text to Lisa. We're just working on it yesterday. I don't get too involved with the store. This is a product I went out and found. That's kind of my job. I go do the research, make sure this is something we want. Then I turn it over to Lisa and she, her and the team get it into the store. Yesterday, she had me go through the list of what products we want to bring in from this company. And one of them is a wound healing gel. Cool. So found this company through Dr. Wolfson. Dr. Wolfson is a big, big fan of this company. They started out as a company that produced colloidal silver, which I didn't even really understand. Then they started producing copper. And at this last event I was at, I I got a chance to hang out with the owner in this company and learn a lot about copper and why Dr. Wilson uses it so much. We are bringing in a daily copper supplement. I'm pretty convinced now that our cardio health would benefit. Dr. Wilson recommends a daily copper supplement. So we're bringing in a daily. Yeah, I remember that one. uh, And then we're going to bring in this wound healing. These metals, copper and silver, are incredible at controlling bacteria, fungi, all kinds of things. And we use tiny, tiny amounts right there at the local area. So doesn't affect our whole body. You know, it's interesting. I have had a hot tub most of my life. I mean, I, 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 really enjoy having hot tubs. The The problem is keeping them clean. It's harder than keeping a pool clean because the hot right. water really encourages bacterial growth. So you're constantly working on it. And I, I try not to use chemicals. Um, a couple of years ago, I found a copper water treatment system for the hot tub. Unbelievable. That hot tub stays sparkling clean. I hardly ever have to do anything to it. I don't have a hot tub anymore. Uh, mine finally kicked the bucket after about 12 years and I haven't placed it yet, but it's incredible how well those copper systems work in sanitizing water. Mm. Neat. Yeah. So, Cause you know what it is? Like I have, I, when I, when I burned my leg that time, she brought home silverdine, but I know that that's, topical for like burns and stuff but i know that that's got some other stuff in there that i don't want to be this on myself you know that's I mean? why we went with this company there are lots of companies out there that do copper okay. and silver products this one by far top notch best versions best bioavailability really really impressive company this is all they do 
there was a time where just not that long ago, okay. all they did was silver. Now they do silver and copper. Great company, though. Okay. They have lots of great health coaches on staff. I got to meet a lot of people. So Lisa says about two weeks, probably. She just put in, she's putting in the okay. first order this morning. So I will tell you who the company is so you can just, oh, you know what? Why don't you do this? Why don't you go to Dr. Wolfson's site and get it? What? Okay. Go to right, Dr. Cool. Wolfson's site. The name of the That'll company work. is... Um, Sovereign silver and sovereign copper. But if you, let me, you'll find it's just called first aid gel. And I'm pretty sure Dr. Wolfson okay. has it on his site. If not, you can go directly to sovereign copper and sovereign silver and get it. All right. Sovereign copper and silver. And then, okay, cool. All right. I appreciate it. Yeah. Like I said, it's, a, it's in a bad spot, man. Oh, thank God. I should say, I, I drive an automatic. Why? Sorry. Automated shift. <laughs> yeah. Automatic. There you go. Truck, you know, so I don't got it. Like left foot, I don't have to worry about, you know, pressing the clutch in, but. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. So, Crazy. yeah, I right, love if you got it from our store, but don't wait. Something like this, the sooner yep. you get started on it, the better. Right. I appreciate it, man. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks for the call. Let's go to. Oh, hold on. We're going to go to Texas. James, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. Been a while since I talked to you. Yeah, it's on your mind today. Well, I had to take a year off because I had COVID so bad I couldn't walk. Oh, that's no fun. Oh, yeah. That, now, wound up losing my mother-in-law over. Oh. She had COVID pneumonia. Oh, sorry to hear that. And so we bur buried her in 20... 22 and uh, now don't yell at me okay I, I sold all my equipment out sold all my equipment out that i had two trucks trailer everything like that so i could recover take the time off took a year off but i went and, and some of these guys would probably tell me i'm stupid and i'm a liar but i went and found me a 1988 cab over freightliner okay and i bought it okay I'm getting six and a half miles to the gallon. That's not, I believe that. That's, that's not out of the question at all. The, the, uh, a lot of people don't realize cab overs are very, very aerodynamic. Some of the cab over models are better than some of our most aerodynamic trucks. Europe runs almost exclusively cab overs and they kill us on fuel economy. I know. And, and the thing of it is, I mean, I, did I give a little too much for it? Yeah, because it was still pandemic pricing. But, you know, I thought I've got seven years left to drive. I'm 53. I want to retire when I'm 60. And uh, the year of COVID with the broken ribs and not being able to breathe it showed me that there's a whole lot more to life than yeah. just working. There you go. And I'm out here having fun. Oh, good. Now. Good. Where driving, driving a truck used to be, you know, just a job. Right. But now I'm out here. I've got a different perspective on it. I've got, you know, and so it's it's just, you know, like you've always said, your health is the best thing that you can have. It's all you've got. And without it. Not the health. Yeah. You know, I wasn't the healthiest person in the world. Either. <laughs> I have lost some weight since, since then. But uh, no, I was just, uh, 
just going to call and, and say, I'm back. Well, good. I'm out here driving good. my truck again. And, well, and uh, uh, you can recover from COVID, but you still have long-term side effects like I do. Oh, I, I can so, imagine. I, I wish we understood more of what that is. And the reason we don't understand more of what it is is because all the lying and deception. You can't talk about COVID. You can't talk about cures. You you get sidelined. You get censored. You get canceled. And because of that, we still know next to nothing about COVID. I can tell you right now, because I pull flatbed and rolling my tarps, I have to do it at a certain time of the morning. I can't take the heat no more like I used to. And uh, I just, I lose my steam. If it takes me an hour to fold tarps, it used to take me 15 minutes. Sometimes not, it takes me an hour and a half. I believe it. Tell me about your diet. Well, it's uh, usually it's uh, two pieces of bacon, three eggs in the morning. Good start. In the the evening, I I do drink a, a little bit of sweetener in my coffee. I can't do the, I can't do it black. I don't do a lot of sweetener, but I can't do my coffee black. I have. It's a lot of water. I drink a lot of water through the day. But in the afternoons, it's usually, you know, and this is a bad thing. It's usually something out of a truck stop because everywhere I go, there's not a restaurant anymore. They've closed them all down. So I try not to eat a lot of the bread. Okay, so here's what I mean. You have a slightly healthier version of the standard American diet. Exactly. Okay. Because, I mean, beforehand, if if I had some way to put a refrigerator or something in it. Well, forget the refrigerator. Let, Let me tell you how to eat the healthiest food possible on the road with almost no effort once you're on the road. You got to do the work while you're home. But if you do it, and I just did it yesterday. I was up late, late last night finishing it. Um, so we have talked about this before. Um, I forget it was a year or two ago, Thanksgiving or Christmas. One holiday we bought way too much turkey for some reason. I don't remember if we were expecting people and then something changed. But we had all this leftover turkey. And I thought, what am I going to do with all this? I hate to throw food away. And I thought, wait a minute, why don't I just can it? I can all kinds of other meat. So we canned it. And I came up with this recipe using green chilies and onions and the turkey. And it has turned into one of our favorite foods. So I can it in pints. A pint is a perfect meal for two people. A pint of canned turkey. We do all kinds. I mean, you just open the jar and eat it. It's fully cooked. Tastes amazing. We And we... This time, we've got this down to a science now. I can tell you, my canner will can 17 pints at a time. That's the maximum I can get into my canner. Two turkeys, 30 pounds total. So, you know, 16 and 14, 15 and 15, whatever. 30 pounds on two turkeys will make just about exactly 17 pints of meat and we'll make about two gallons of broth, bone broth. So we cooked, we roasted the turkeys, pulled all the meat off of them, chop it all up together, the white and the dark. Then we take the carcass and we make bone broth. 
Then we pack the turkey into pint jars, pour in the bone broth. Now you're getting all the nutrition from the turkey. You're getting the nutrition from the bone broth and you pressure can it. And when it comes out, it's in a jar and it never needs refrigeration. I've had meat three or four years canned still perfectly good. You open it up, it's fully cooked. It's the best quality you want to go get. You control all the quality, you control all the ingredients that go into it. You could just open it up and eat it. We open it up and put it on nachos. We open it up, make tacos out of it. You can throw in, you know, some broth and make a soup out of it. And you don't need refrigeration. If you learn how to ferment vegetables, those don't need refrigeration. Those are the two main food groups you should be eating. Mostly meat, a little bit of vegetables fermented that you enjoy. And you can take all of that food on the truck with you and not need any refrigeration. And you'll save a bunch of money. Well, I have no storage. <laughs> you have some. With it being a cab overall, I got to. About the, the floor over the floor over on the passenger seat would hold about thirty pints of food, which would last you two months. I got my five gallon bucket in there. I have to have merchant. I'd find room. I oh hold on. You said it earlier. If we don't have our health, we don't have anything. So everything else has to take a back door to health. Right. So you have I'm, to I'm, find a way to take food with you on the truck. That's the only way you'll get healthy. Right. Well, I've only had this truck for a little while, so I'm trying to figure out where to put stuff. So as soon as I figure out where I'm going to put everything, then I'll bring stuff like that in because we do can and stuff like that. At Excellent. Home. I, I'll Excellent. Farm. Oh, then yes. Well. So yeah, we, we raise our own. We raise our own beef. Oh, so, James, James, you're killing uh, me here. Take that excellent and, beef you're raising and put and it everything. in jars. You can take it with you. I'm telling you, once you do this, well, you're going to call me and say, oh, my God, I can't believe I didn't start doing this sooner. Well, that's that's what I was going to ask you is what about seasoning and stuff like that that ain't yet, you know, that's not. Here's what I would tell you. Process. Here's what I would tell you. There are some really good, clean seasonings out there. We carry some in our store. Primal Palette makes some. Uh, okay. It'll point you in the right direction. But here's the thing. If you switch to what I'm talking about, you're raising your own beef. You put it in a can. You take it with you. You garden. You take some of those vegetables. You ferment them. You take them with you. Your health is going to improve 99%. And I could care less where your spices come from. There are good, clean spices, okay. and I buy them, and, and I recommend them. But honestly, that is a minor, minor issue here. Let's take care of the big things first. That The spices aren't going to matter. Okay. Well, I may wind up pulling the passenger seat completely out. I would. Because nobody goes with yep, me. I would. And then I'll have some storage and stuff like that. But, you know, me, and I have lost weight. I'm losing it gradually and stuff like that. But. To me, just being able to come back out on the road and come back to work where I was at. Oh, that's awesome. It's great. Congratulations. Let, let's let's make it even better. So, let's get you really, really healthy again. Here's you know, here's what I would do. If I were in a truck today, the passenger seat would come out and I would pay a really good carpenter. I have a good friend who's a master carpenter. I would pay him to build me custom 
storage over there for pint and quart jars. Okay. Oh, that's, that's an option. I mean, I've talked to a cabinet maker to see about putting some cabinets yep. in the back, make back them, there on the wall. Make the cabinets uh, for he, custom he, storage for pint jars. Pint jars. And then uh, dehydrated stuff and everything like that. I don't do a lot of dehydrated. Well, you you can. I mean, we carry the beef sticks; those are awesome. We have we have several different types of you know dehydrated meats. You you could do your own. I don't do a lot of that. It's a lot of work, and I, as much as I love jerky, I'm not going to live on jerky. I mean, jerky doesn't really no. satisfy me much. I can eat a beef stick and a nut butter and be pretty good for a couple hours, but. I tend to focus more on getting as much meat canned as I can. We can pork, chicken, beef, turkey, sausage. I can all of that stuff. And then when I not in the truck, I do it for two reasons. One, you could can about a year's worth of food pretty easily. And now you've got, you know, true emergency food for long periods of time. But the other thing I do is force pure convenience. Man, when I, when I need a meal and I can walk into my pantry and I can choose from meat sauces, turkey, pork, beef, already cooked and ready to go, it's so easy to make a meal. I, I have created a recipe right now. I have got the best chili recipe I've ever made in my life. And I've, I've made chili my whole life. I love chili. I have a new recipe that I absolutely love. And it is so easy. I feel like I'm cheating. So I have a, a canned mix of ground beef and ground spicy sausage. That, that's a blend that I put together and then can it. So that's one pint of ground meat and sausage. Then I have pints of smoked pulled pork with green chilies canned. Then I've got a can of we call meat sauce, which is a tomato-based sauce, but it also has a ton of meat in it with some onions and green peppers and other things. So I can, if I want to make a chili, a true chili, no beans, I could open a can of the sausage and meat, a can of the pork, a can of the red sauce, dump it into a pot with some chopped up onions and green peppers, put in my chili seasoning, and I'm done. Best chili I've ever eaten. You like beans with it, I can open up a can of pinto beans and throw them in. You could make this chili in five minutes in your truck. The the trick is you can all this stuff ahead of time and you take it with you. Okay. All right. Well, uh, one other question. I mean, and I don't know if you follow the truck shows or not. Are they going to be having the one in Dallas this year? Does nope. Anybody think? Nope. Dallas is gone. Nope. Nope. Dallas is gone. Okay. Do you ever get through toward Oklahoma? Uh, yes. We usually, when we're, you know, our typical route across the country when we're traveling, you know, east to west or west to east, I tend to travel 40 a lot, you know, kind of that southwest, okay. you know, from the north, northeast down into the southwest. We tend to go right through Oklahoma a lot. Okay. Well, I am. 47 miles southwest of Oklahoma City, and if I ever hear of you coming through, I'll bring you some beef. I'd love that. That'd be awesome. It's 
It's Longhorn. Oh, nice. Yeah, I will take you up on that. Okay. I'll keep listening. I finally found you. Got all set up on the app and everything. And good. With what happened the other the, with the other deal, I finally found you again, and I'm <laughs> listening. So we, uh, <laughs> you know, we we really need to start growing our listener base again. We it's over a year now. We've been off serious. We have not focused on growing the listeners. We had a big group follow us, so everything's working, but. Our revenues are way down. Um, you know, we had hoped we would be fully operational with our, our broadcast app and everything done, and it's just not yet. We keep running into, we just had a meeting about it this morning, and we're back. We've got another technical hurdle we can't seem to overcome. I was hoping I'd be testing the broadcast app now, but once we get that done, uh, we're going to be asking everybody to go out and find new listeners. You know, we got we to gotta get the tribe built back up again. I'm shocked at how many people will occasionally reach out to me and say, oh my God, I had no idea you've been on the air this whole time. So we're, yeah. we're going to we're gonna have to start getting the word out. We're just trying to get all of our technical ducks in a row before we do that, but it's, it's getting pretty critical. We're going to start growing the audience again. Okay. Well, Kevin, it was good talking to you. I'm glad I found you and I'm listening again and all I can say is everybody out there that's listening, make sure that you take care of yourself. Uh, there you go. I came down to, I was very, very bad. It sounds like it. And like you said, you're you're still struggling with it. And uh, you know what you might want to consider? You might want to go do a Nutri-Q. Uh, do a Nutri-Q and a discovery call. I bet there are some things we could really help you with with this. Uh, the more meat you can eat, the better you're going to feel. The fewer plants you eat, the better you're going to feel. And then you can kind of get picky and um, oh, I just I looked down and read something on the screen and totally lost my train of thought there. Uh, oh, I don't know what I was thinking. There's a uh, there's another call coming in, so I, I'm kind of waiting for that. It's the uh, I was just about to wrap this up when we run out of calls. I'll. I'll wrap this up today. Looks like we have a message. Oh, there we go. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, we've got a call coming in, so I'll hang out. If you want to jump in and join us, we still have time. So pick up the phone, 855-950-3835. We are fighting some internet issues today. I guess Angie's also struggling a little bit with the internet on her end. Not really sure what's going on. There's a, a lot of solar activity. Uh, we have a new sunspot I'm a little concerned about I'm keeping an eye on. All right, let's grab some calls. Let's go to West Virginia. Randy, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. Yeah, what's up? Uh, I didn't make it to the truck show. I didn't, I didn't make it to the truck show. My company, my company bribed me to stay away. Oh, good. They, they had to have a load covered, and he promised me a, a really good load get me right straight home. And so I had to. But anyway, that's what that we ain't call, the reason I called. The reason that, I called is that's what we call good relationship building. Right. Yeah, you're right. I already got that. I don't have to worry about that. But the reason I called was I try to do something nice for somebody every day. Good. I mean, I really do. And I want to do something nice for you today. 
I think that everybody listening ought to go to your store today and buy something. I intend to go and buy $100 worth of stuff just to help you through this little time the way things are right now. We love to listen to your show. Everybody that listens to it loves it, and I think we ought to do something to help you. And I'm personally going to do it, and I want all my friends that listen in to do it too. Well, I appreciate that. And, you know, once we get our app done and we start growing the audience and we are going to have a membership, that way you don't have to go to the store. If there's nothing in there you really want to buy, you can support us through the membership to directly pay for the show and the other stuff we do. We just don't want to do that until we get want it to be right. You know, we want our app done. We want the, as, as many of the technical issues fixed as we can fix. We want the quality of the show to be as good as possible. Uh, already the user app, I mean, people love it. You listen to any show anytime you want. Uh, that's worked out well. We've just got to get this broadcast app done. We've got a couple other shows we want to get started. Uh, so it, it's not that we're hurting, but I, I had a plan and a goal. The, the plan was we sh- we had hoped we could get all this stuff done within a year. Uh, we're a little behind on that. So that that's why I'm just getting a little nervous with the economy doing what it's doing, and we're not ready yet. So I uh, appreciate that. Any help in the store right now? Would be well, awesome. I, believe if, I, believe if, I believe if we all go together today, we can help you. I really do. Well, thank you. And I promise you, I'm going to do it. Thank you. Because I absolutely love your show, man. I really do. And just thank you for all you do, pal. Well, we appreciate hey, the support. Yeah. Monkey, that monkey stuff. Y'all got that? <laughs> yeah, I just ate some last night. Monkey brittle. And now, <laughs> oh, I got to tell you, if you go buy the monkey brittle, also we have a new nut butter in the store that's... I was going to ask you about that. Ma- I want that too. Maple cinnamon, I think, is the flavor. You put oh that stuff on the monkey brittle? Oh, oh. Lock the doors. Well, I, I, I've, hey, got, I've got a lot of... If your last call around food, but I have a hard time not eating that stuff. It's really good. If I'm your last call, you could just put me with Lisa Order right now. <laughs> well, I, you're, you're not the last call, but I'm going to go ahead and put you back in the queue uh, and Angie will help you. I have, I have recall screen. So Angie's got some time. Uh, she'll take care of you. So let's go to Nebraska. Joe, welcome to the program. Good morning, Kevin. Can you hear me? I can. What's on your mind today? Hey, I was just going to comment on your uh, on the canning that you guys do. My wife and I were both big canners, have been for years. Awesome. Uh, even though I, even though my truck has a refrigerator, I do keep some raw milk and that. But yeah. uh, man, in my cabinet now, I got uh, pork loin that we canned. I've got uh, chicken. You was talking about your turkey. Uh, we did chicken uh, before last. We did three chickens and made 12 pints of uh, uh, pulled chicken. I'll call it pulled chicken. Right. We did right. end up with seven, seven pints of uh, broth and stock for soups or whatever down the road and then uh, boiled the bones again and ended up with a, a pretty good-sized container of a chicken salad with some uh, homemade mayonnaise my wife Is made. It, uh, yeah, we, <laughs> isn't you can't it just... Beat it. Isn't it just the best thing ever? I know people probably think we're nuts. We're getting so excited about this, but I this is really like a game changer when it comes to food. Oh, absolutely is. And you no, know, I didn't realize it. 
I mean, I was I was doing keto, I guess, growing up when it was we didn't even know what the hell it was. <laughs> right, <You're> right. I I'm sixty three, going on before this August, and I you know I grew up family at nine, and my dad was an auto body repair man, so you know he didn't make a oh yeah ton of money, but right. I mean, we had a little, we had a farm, we, we had goats, cows, chickens. Oh, nice. You know, mom and make butter. We had the big garden. I mean, that's all awesome. the shape was. <laughs> yeah. We got to get back to that. Oh, we do. And that just kind of carried over. My wife grew up that way. And that's the way we did our kids. So, I mean, really, we were doing doing a keto diet. And you know what the hell it was. We thought we were just eating the way we, <laughs> we yeah. wanted to eat by our parents. Yeah. So, see, I, I never had any of that in my history. My parents didn't grow a garden, didn't can, didn't do any of that stuff. My grandparents didn't grow a garden, didn't can. I have none of that in my past, but boy, do I love it now. I can't say enough. Like I said, I was up till late last night. Uh, We got 17 pints. And honestly, with everything that's going on in the world, this morning, Lisa looked at the 17 pints. It's awesome. And, And we have pork and chicken and all kinds of stuff in the pantry already, but Lisa said, why don't we just grab two more turkeys and do another batch this weekend? So I'm going to do 17 more this weekend. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, we're going to do a couple pork butts. Uh, we bought a we bought a hog from a good friend of mine. Which, nice. Uh, we know how it's raised. And uh, I've got two pork butts and left in the freezer. So we're going to, so I'm going to smoke them and then uh, we'll can what's left of that. So that's going to be, we'll be busy next weekend. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. But, uh, uh, same here. Um, I've got a ton of pork already done. I smoked a couple of huge pork butts last year and and got a ton of pints out of those. Uh, we've got, like I said, we've got ground beef. We've got ground sausage. We've got a mix of ground beef and ground sausage. I have ground beef canned that's seasoned like, a, you know, a Mexican kind of style. I have some with just salt and pepper. Right. I mean, once you start doing it, I've got chili canned already done. I've got all the components canned to make chili if I want. I just, it's almost never ending. You can can soups, stews, you know, com- yeah, yeah, completed meal. You can can everything. My, my kids think I'm kind of over the top, but uh, several years ago, I had a friend of mine in an antique store, knickknack store, and he went out of business, and I bought six bookcases and they're three and a half foot wide, three foot deep, you know, about eight foot tall, just your standard bookcase. And it's all seven of them are full. Everything from chili, stew. Yes, exactly. Uh, my wife even cans cheesecake. I've, in little I've seen that. I've seen that. That is so cool. I know. I, I've never tried that, but I think I'm going to. Now that we've created some really, really good low sugar kind of keto desserts, I've been yeah. thinking about trying that. Uh, we can potatoes. Yeah. That was another one I thought was so weird, but that one works really well, too. Oh, it works well. We did that about a month ago. We had some potatoes out of the garden that were starting to go soft. Yeah. And we go through them every couple of weeks. And we had something that was starting to get a little soft. So uh, canned, yep. I think, nine quarts. Of yeah. They come out fine. We we dry pack them, and they come out perfect. 
Yeah, I've done both. I've canned them in water and I've dry canned them and they're different each way, but they're, they're both good. Right. They're all good. But uh, yeah, anyway, I just wanted to throw my two cents worth in on the canning. I mean, I'm, I'm a believer. I mean, like I said, I'll be 64 in August. I have no health issues. Never have. That's awesome. Yeah. The way I ate growing up. Of course. No doubt. uh, Yep. All righty. Well, I'll let you get on to another caller. I appreciate your time and uh, enjoy the show. Great stuff. You know, we were talking about pork in there, and I've talked about Heritage Foods. Uh, Heritage Foods has a, a, a hog share. So you buy a quarter of a hog and you get excellent cuts. They have these beautiful thick cut pork chops and a cowboy ribeye pork chop. And you get some ground pork and some pork sausage and get a big fresh ham. I forget how many pounds it is. 40 pounds, maybe. And then the other thing about Heritage Foods is they will typically have three different breeds that you can choose from. Berkshire is a breed, uh, Duroc, D-U-R-O-C, and Red Wattle and Old Spot. Those are the four. And somehow, even though I've been buying them for years, somehow I never managed to buy the Old Spot. I've tried the other three, and they're all fantastic. But I ordered Old Spot this time. It is Oh, good. So that that may be my default variety now. If they have Old Spot available, the flavor of it is just incredible. And the fattiness and uh, making myself hungry. I may have to have a uh, big old double cut pork chop for lunch today on the smoker. Let's uh, let's grab another call. Let's go to South Carolina. Terrence, welcome to the program. Yeah, I forgot to ask that before, Kevin. So now I'm in South, in South Carolina. Now, if I, I'm obviously thinking about Canon. What would be the best place to store that, though? I mean, I couldn't leave it in the garage because it gets my garage gets hot. Is that a pro- issue, like temperature-wise? I know it should be like in a generally should have been in a cold, like you know, colder, I, darker area, right? Or ideally, ideally, cold and dark, cool and dark. So we have right. a you know, our, we're building kind of a root cellar in the pant pantry downstairs kind of thing, still working on it. That's ideal. But I will also tell you that I leave the coach stocked for emergencies. So if, if something happened and I had to go out, you know, if we had a train derailed down here, All in front right, of us, yeah. the coach is loaded and re- when it's here, it's in the shop right now, but when it's here, it's loaded and ready to go. And we, there's probably three months worth of food. Easy. easy probably six in the coach itself that I take. And so it's all it's right. just yeah, like home it's stocked. From that, yeah. it sits outside all summer long. It gets 130 degrees inside there. And I've had meat. Okay. That that is typically when you hear me say, Oh my God, I just found a can of meat and I canned it back in twenty seventeen. That's usually the stuff that's in the because right. I forget about it. It gets you know, it's way back in the pantry and but I'll pull it out. It's still good. I can't tell any difference. Right. Now as far now you gotta pre cook that or partially cook it and then you finish it. Cooked you, in the can, correct? You don't have or can you put there are there are multiple methods of doing things. So 
here's the general rule. You, if you want to start things cold, make sure everything's cold. The canner, the water in the canner, the jars, the food, make sure it's all cold. If you want to start hot and hot pack, just make sure everything's hot and about the same temperature. You want your canner warmed up, uh, the water in the canner hot. You want your food hot. You want jars hot and you hot pack it all. You you can warm pack it all where it's all room temperature. I mean, temperature doesn't matter. If you want better results, keep it all consistent. Like last night may be the most successful batch of canning I've ever done all 17 sealed, and I had no what they call siphoning. Sometime, most of the time, you'll get siphoning where it will suck liquid out of the jars before they seal. And then what you end up with is this kind of greasy water, and you can tell that it pulled liquid out, and that's pretty common. This time, I had almost no siphoning whatsoever better over time. The more the more you do things, the better you get at. Sometimes it's even hard to explain, okay. but I'm, I'm just real careful about my levels in the jars, cleaning them off, keeping all the temperatures consistent. It, it can start to sound complicated, and honestly, it's really simple. Buy a canner, follow the instructions, okay. do one, and the next thing you know, you'll be getting better at it. But the real key here is learning how to can meat and full meals is just a game changer especially for drivers. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I'm home every night, but there's nothing like, like if she gets home late at work at 7, 8 o'clock, you know, it's like, oh, are you hungry? And then she, she's hungry, and then it's like, all right, do you want to go get something or you want, you know, you can eat at the house. This way, if you, like you say, just pull something like that out of the out of the uh, entry, and that's it. You know, you Ready got a meal go. instead of going out. Ready to go. Yeah, very little. Cool. And in the truck, you know, no preparation, no, no, you know, not a lot of cleanup. You rinse out the jar. You just, look in the truck. Like I said, I would have custom jar storage built into the truck. And, you know, there's yeah. lots of times where you open up the jar, microwave it, and eat it right out of the jar. Yep. All right, cool. I'm gonna have to. I'm just like gonna do an adventure to do. <laughs> there you go. Now right, guys, there, there is another form of canning where you can into pouches, like mylar bags and that kind of stuff. And you've seen food in the store; right. it's done in a pouch. Pouches are pretty big right now. We're getting to the point where you could buy one of these canners. It's actually a, a vacuum kind of system, and then it seals the bag, and then you you put the bags in a pressure canner and, and bring them up to temperature. Okay. It's a different process. That's Equipment to do that is starting to become reasonable. I think you'd end up spending about 1500 on a system like that. I may buy it just to, because the bags would be even better in a truck. I mean, I love glass jars at home. I love glass. We don't have to worry about chemicals and glass in the truck. Uh, you know, that that's a little bit of a hassle. Bags would be even better. So I, I may invest in some of that equipment and play around with that. All right, cool, Kev. Thank you. You're welcome. Later. Thanks for the call. Let's go to Missouri. Brandy, welcome to the program. Thank you, Kevin. I was thinking of your idea for advertising. What would it be to advertise on the same show that 
got rid of you because Pittsburgh Power uh, now is advertised on Dave Nemo. It's like, couldn't you attach your advertisement into a bunch of drivers that wondered where you went into that same place where they're doing Pittsburgh Power spots? It, it's possible, but they don't have to accept that ad. There's nothing that says they have to run an ad just because I want to pay for it. They can just turn it down and say, no, we're not going to run it. And being a competitor, why would they? Well, it's certainly worth a try. It's the other issue. That's one. One, I doubt very much that they would accept my ads because I'm in direct competition with them. I mean, absolute direct competition. We're going after the exact same listener. So it would have no incentive to do that. But here's the other thing. Even if they did, you can't afford it. There's no way I could ever cost justify that kind of advertising. It is outrageously expensive. Okay. I don't know Uh, what the rates are. I don't know what the rates are anymore because I haven't had, there used to be a time where I sold my own advertising. So I knew exactly what, Right. What they charged for advertising because I had to be competitive at that time. And this was years and years ago. It was three hundred dollars a minute. Wow. And you need you know, hundreds and of minutes to, to create an effective campaign. Yeah. Well, I was talked to hear Pittsburgh Powered on the Dave Nemo, and then uh, he, they had were interviewed just before the show or the Louisville show, and it's like, oh, that's interesting. But do what they got to do. So I was thinking on your, uh, you know, for your membership. You know, a lot of companies are startups, and that they need startup money in order to become what they want to be. I think a lot of your listeners probably understand that. I'm today I'm willing to start paying you membership and you know you say you want to wait till it's all perfect why not use that money also to make it perfect we you know thought about it we thought about doing some sort of a kickstarter campaign and and maybe we should have I I don't like taking money especially from an established tribe we have a tribe that trusts us and we've worked really, really hard to build that trust. And the the thought of doing a Kickstarter campaign was was attractive, but it's technology. What if I would have taken a bunch of money from our tribe and we couldn't pull this off? And, and once the money's gone on programming, I can't get it back. It's not like I could say, well, it didn't work out. I want my money back. It, programming is risky. You spend a lot of money. We're running into some issues. We're not able to do exactly what we thought we could do. Now we're pivoting. Uh, so I just I was not willing to take that kind of a risk with a, a loyal tribe and, and have a black eye like that. Like we, we took your money and said we were going to do something and then we weren't able to do it. That that would keep me up at night. But think about our business, though. I, I think our business is kind of unique. I don't think there are many businesses that have created the kind of loyalty we've created. And I'm pretty proud of that. And I want to keep that. I don't want to lose that. And and we've done it because we do what we say we're going to do most of the time. I mean, clearly, I've started projects. They never get finished. But I haven't taken money from anybody. 
You know, people get pissed off about that sometimes. I get people who call me and complain. Oh, my God, I can't believe you talked about this hot honey in there. Where is it? It never exists. I don't know. But I haven't taken money from anybody. It's not like I said, hey, pay me a bunch of money and I'll go produce this product. That's what I'm worried about. I don't want to do that. I don't want to risk the loyalty we've spent years creating. So we've just got to suck it up and get through this. And we're close. I'm just a little frustrated now because I we were really close. And now we've got a couple. But, money. but again, this is why I'm glad I didn't take money from anybody else to do this. Right. Well, money being so tight and the economy so iffy, it's like you, you don't want to you know, wish. I wish I would have done that, but I, I hesitated. And it's like to me, it's like do it now. Now is the time to start to go after your your dreams and your vision. It will regardless. Now, now we're almost so close it doesn't make sense. I mean, we've we've spent ninety five percent of the money that needs to be spent to get this app up and running, and we're that close. So once we get over that hump and we release it get most of the bugs worked out, which will happen pretty quickly, then I'll be okay saying, hey, look, you know, here's our memberships. It's $9 a month or $29 a month. We have different levels. You're going to get different things. Then I'm fine with that. And then then we have cash flow, which we can then use to making the product better, just like we did with profit gauges. You know, even fuel gauges, when we released fuel gauges, you had to pay for it. We needed the money to finish the system. So we did do that, but we had a product that was usable, you know, so I don't mind taking money for a usable product. And then once we got fuel gauges up, you- up and running, then we made it free. And then we moved on to profit gauges and that's where we get our revenue from. We will have a free way to listen to some of the show. You're not going to get all the content free. You're going to get a little. And then if, if you want to be a part of the tribe, we'll have different levels of membership. And, and once we do that, we'll be okay. I just, I'm, I'm a little worried. We're a little behind and then the economy is really tanking. So that word worried, I know <laughs> that word worried transfers to uh, people who are worried about you. Well, <laughs> and I, so what can we do? And probably a better word. I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not really worried, worried. I'm just being more proactive. I'm not sitting back and saying, we'll be fine. Everything's fine. I'm sitting back looking at things and going, I need to get a little more proactive and make sure we'll be fine. Right. Yeah. I mean, right now, honestly, honestly, you know what I want more than anything right now? Go ahead. Yes. (laughs) Two weeks off. I haven't had a vacation in so long. I want it not not just for myself. Working isn't a problem. I don't mind working. I get to a point, though, where I kind of burn out. I don't have the motivation I used to have. I'm not as sharp as I was. I've been to this point before, and it always happens when I've been working on too many projects and I forget to take time off and been a while, and I would love to take two weeks off right now and just spend it getting the garden up and running. It's just not a good time. That's just not going to happen. I've always thought of that. Um, so there's a product that I used to get, and then they changed their business model. They went away from their customer base. 
I often wonder when a company decides to basically abandon their customer base, do they, are they able, it's kind of what you said about your loyalty and uh, me personally, I enjoy your show, but if you're not on, it's like, what do I do now? (laughs) Obviously I could listen to other shows, but Thing to repeat shows is kind of hard thing. I listen to audiobooks when you're not on, but I know what that feels like. And I got to tell you, I feel blessed that you've been able to create something like that. And I know what it's like because I remember listening to Bruce Williams when I drove and Clark Howard and, and uh, Neil Bortz and man, when they weren't on, I was bummed. I really was. I get it. And that's that every time I say, screw it, I need a break. I'm just going to take two weeks off. As soon as I do that, I start thinking, oh, two weeks, no new shows. I haven't, I can't create two weeks worth of content that if I could, I would do that. I would just create two weeks worth of content. So you'd at least have new content, but that's the problem. Two weeks worth of content is a lot of work and I'm just too burnt out right now to crank out that kind of work. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's just my personal opinion. When you're gone, I I don't know what to do. I listen to audio. I appreciate that. um, I do, and and I I take it seriously. And that's why if I do take time off, I would like to create new content before I take time off. Uh, Just, you know, everything that's happened in the world in the last six months. I mean, things have happened really fast. The last three months happening even faster. That's stressful. And that's part of my burnout, you know, watching this and trying to figure out what's going to happen. And, you know, when I really want to take the time off right now would probably be the worst time I could think of. So it's just not going to happen for a while. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm not here thinking. Well, I appreciate it. Appreciate the support from everybody. Really. The, the calls to say, we're going to go buy from the store. I do appreciate that. We have built something incredible here. To me, it's far more than just a company. It really is a tribe. And uh, it, it means a lot to us. And we I think about everything we do not to screw that up. Let's go to Saskatchewan. Wayne, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. How are you today? Good. What's on your mind? Hello. Oh, good. Uh, profit gauges. I have two questions. Profit gauges. I've tried a couple times, I've signed up, and your staff has been incredibly helpful with it. But I sort of fundamental problem is, is how do I know, like, what category, you know, like I buy oil for the truck, or I buy def for the truck, or I get tires fixed on the truck. Yeah. How do I know what to call those categories? Like, is there a list Question. written down somewhere? There, like, there is a list. Yeah. We, could, we could get it to you. I know there was a list at one point. I haven't seen it in a long time. I'm pretty sure it exists. We're good about that kind of stuff. But here's what I would tell you. Okay. Uh, list will help. Yeah. It, it gets you started. You should do this the way you want to do it. There really are no yeah. rules about this. The IRS could care less. You could. You well, could, I'm Canada. Well, whoever's up there, they, they, it's basically yeah. the same. I'm pretty familiar with Canada. I actually licensed our accounting up in Canada for years. So, All right. uh, yeah. Right so the, for the most part, they don't care. You could call your fuel supplies. You could call maintenance repairs. I, it doesn't matter. You could put tolls in office. So that, okay. 
Just doesn't matter. So I tell people, set it up the way that makes most sense to you. Yeah, okay. Because when I am talking to my accountant online, or on the phone, excuse me, she, she will quite often say, no, no, that's not an invoice. That's, that's, a, that's a whatever. You, you know, like I use the incorrect terminology. Oh, I Correct know. me, which is wonderful. Uh, well. It, I mean, it's good. So let me it tell makes- you what we did when we created Profit Gages. I had been using QuickBooks yeah. forever to, to handle trucks, not just my yes. trucks. There was a time where I had hundreds of bookkeeping clients that I did myself. I did the data entry and the bookkeeping, yeah. and I used QuickBooks. And QuickBooks has some yeah. awesome uh, yeah. stuff in it. But then it's got some stuff that is just horrible if you're an owner-operator. It's confusing. It's messy. So after years of using oh. QuickBooks, I took all the best stuff from QuickBooks and wrote profit gauges. And when I did it, I broke all the rules of accounting because we don't need yeah. all those stupid rules. They're confused. Now, corporations, they have to do that. That's part of the law. They have to follow certain guidelines. We don't. Hell, we can do our accounting any way yeah. we want. As long as the only people we have to satisfy is the IRS, or in your case, the tax agency in Canada. As long as we're satisfying their record keeping, we're fine. And after that, we broke all the rules. Typical accounting says there has to be a double entry for every transaction. You spend 50 cents at a toll booth and there has to be two entries put into your accounting for that. That's ignorant. Why? For us, you add up all of the tolls you had for the whole month and you make one entry. That's not accounting. Okay. We broke all the rules, and I'm okay with that. So go ahead and break some more rules and just yeah. set yours up the way you like it. But I need one more broken rule. Yeah, okay. Exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay, well, that kind of answers one part. If, if there is a list available, maybe I can find it, but uh, that that would just help me with the terminology. I, I just would like to be correct on the terminology. Just, anyway, uh, second part is about fasting. Um, I did keto for a while and then stopped a couple of years ago. Um, and I've been trying to get back on the wagon, sort of, you know, hit and miss, which is fine. My basic question is this, is fasting, if I did a 24-hour fast or a 36-hour, if I could make it there, is that a good way to kind of kickstart things again? Yes. That's sort of. Yes, it is. It is? Yeah. Now, having said that, I don't do a lot of fasting. Yeah. I, I it, I could yeah. probably do more. I do the, you know, 18-6 split almost every day, and I'm not even strict about that, but pretty close. I will occasionally, yeah. if I don't feel good, if I actually feel like maybe I've been around sick people and maybe I feel my immune system kind of kicking in and fighting something off, that's typically when I'll do a 24 to 36-hour fast. And 36 hours is about max for me. Very seldom do I go past that. I- don't feel all that yeah. great. I don't feel all those huge benefits everybody talks about. Uh, if I'm getting sick, a 24-hour fast usually does help make me feel better. But if I'm feeling good and I just decide to stop eating for 48 hours, I don't feel all that great. Okay. All right. And and I did hear you talk to another uh, caller earlier about that, you know, well, have a, or have a, an NDK coffee kind of thing. Sure. Uh, that's that that's all right as well that that'll still help you kickstart 
basically the process. Oh, absolutely. Again. Yep, absolutely. Okay. All right. One other quick question for you, just because uh, since you're off the other platform, I lost you for a while here. Yeah. Um, is there any cheaper way to ship products to Canada now or still kind of the same struggle as before? It's about the same struggle. We have to get to a, a higher level of volume. There are solutions. There are companies that will we can contract with to handle the packages once everything happens in Canada, but we're not at those volume levels yet. Right. Okay. So that that's our struggle. Okay, well, Same thing with, with all of our partners. There are certain products we'd like to bring into the store. We're just not at a bit. Some companies, we have to order pallets. And, and we would even put out the money and buy a pallet except that most of the stuff we sell in the store is dated. So if we buy a pallet, yeah. then the dates go out and we get screwed. And so it's, that's just a struggle. We can only grow that stuff slowly as we can. You know, we, we go out, we negotiate, we get a product. If there's a product or a company that requires bigger volume, all we can do is try growing and hope we get there. All right. Well, thanks again. Continued success, Kevin. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Let's uh, let's go to North Dakota. John, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. I was just listening to, I don't remember her name, but explaining about not having content. Maybe when you go on vacation, publish a list on everywhere that you can, Healthy Tribe, Facebook, even on the website, of audiobooks, you know, you got so many spread out everywhere, but consolidate them into one place for us to listen to while you are gone for those two weeks. Say that again. A list of audiobooks consolidated in one place or oh, okay. one list published several spots. So we have content to listen to while you're on vacation. That's a good idea. I should do that anyway. We have lists, but we have them kind of scattered all over the place, and I don't keep them all updated that well. I should probably take some time, yep. put together a really good audio book list with links. That's a great idea. I, I'm writing that down. Health, health, this, you know. Even some novels. Several lists, but, yeah, novels just uh, consolidated one list of several subjects in several spots. We're gonna, yeah, I like that. So I, I'm, I'm going to work on that. That's a really good idea. Just in okay. general, we should have that list. And Thanks. then you're right. If I'm going to take time off, then I could say, here, work through the list. Exactly. Exactly. That uh, helps us. And then when know, I, gives us then when I to come, listen to. Yeah, and then when I come back, day one can be, let's just talk about all the audiobooks everybody listened to. Exactly, exactly. That would uh, definitely help us out, uh, us, you know, business and health books and novels to listen to I like while that. you're gone. I like that a lot. So, thank you. All right. That's all, right. all I really had for you. So, All right. Great yeah. stuff. All right. That looks like it's going to wrap it up for the day. Uh, I do have a recording I have to do today, so I've got to go get ready for that. Finishing up a uh, mini series we're excited about. 
We're combining two mini series. We have a blood sugar mini series. We're working on a uh, ketone mini series today. We're going to be doing another recording, and then we're going to do a live finish to this mini series so you can answer questions. So we're excited about that one. I've got to uh, go get ready for that. So I'm going to wrap this up today. We will see you back here tomorrow. I believe my guest, do I have, um, I believe I have a guest tomorrow. I want to make sure I've got it right though. I think I've got uh, Sauna Space, the CEO from Sauna Space on with me tomorrow. Let me double check. I have a lot of things going on this week. I'm trying not to get them confused. Yes, tomorrow we have Brian Richards from Sauna Space. So we're going to be talking. Brian is just really, really good on all of the infrared and light therapy. I've done a lot of research on this. I still have a lot to learn. Uh, Ryan will be a big part of that. He'll be joining us tomorrow. Uh, I'm excited about that. Um, I think that'll do it. I'm going to wrap this up. We will see you back here tomorrow. Sorry we uh, we weren't able to pull off the power hour today. We just had some technical issues. None of our software was the problem this time, Just just internet. And unfortunately, my backup also failed and I didn't have plan C in place. So uh, I didn't want to hold Pittsburgh power and then have issues, but uh, luckily we were able to get a good show in. All right. We'll see you tomorrow. Be safe, be profitable, be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey.